0: Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This is a special episode today because I have a guest today. I mentioned last week that I was going to reach out to Rand Fishkin to see if he would chat about his article on inferred links and Google's use of machine learning and yesterday, Rand and I had a fantastic chat, so I think you're going to really enjoy that. Before we get into that, I want to share just some of the latest SEO news for this week to get you caught up. If you're new to the podcast, this is episode number 168, being recorded on Wednesday, January 27th of 2021, and you can find the online version of this, which has way more than I'm going to share in podcast at mariehaines.com newsletter. One of the things that I thought was really interesting this week was surfaced on search engine roundtable. So people are complaining that Healthline and other authoritative medical sites are ranking for non-medical queries. The reason why I pulled this out to talk about in podcasts is I really felt that John Mueller's response was super interesting. He said, most of those queries also have a health aspect so one of the pages in question was ranking number one for the query how to stretch shoes which doesn't sound like a medical query but when you look at healthlines page which ranks really well for this on how to stretch shoes it talks about foot exercises and some other health related things so I've written in my my thoughts in newsletter and on what you can do if this is happening to you in some cases you might find that you have content that just can't rank because you've got medical content on your your page, but you're lacking medical EAT. However, I think also what's possible is Google can figure out for most people when they search how to stretch shoes, it's because they actually have a medical issue. They're getting better at figuring out the intent behind a query. Um, so those people, you know, they have sore feet, Uh, and Google's told us in the past that they can, and they have turned up the dial on authority when it comes to medical queries, when it comes to ranking for medical queries. Um, In other news, there's new structured data feature uh, called price drop appearance. So Google's documentation says, and I'll quote here, based on the running historical average, your product's pricing... No, based on the running historical average of your product's pricing, Google automatically calculates the price drop. The price dropped appearance is available in English and U.S. in the U.S. on both desktop and mobile. So in this week's newsletter, we actually have more information on how you can get these rich results regarding price drops. Uh, It looks very interesting. Um, looks like there might be some more issues with Google search console. Barry Schwartz is reporting that for many people, search Console's showing something weird when it comes to showing which page is the canonical. Uh, Glenn Gabe said he's been noticing this since about January 11th. And then Daniel uh, Weisberg from Google tweeted that they found a reporting issue within Google's selected uh, canonical field in the URL inspection tool. So that should be fixed in the next couple of days. So if you're seeing weird stuff there, it's probably something on Google's side and not you. There's also something weird going on with the AMP enhancement report. Uh, It's showing a decrease in the number of indexed pages uh, starting around the 20th of this month for a lot of sites. So just know that there's something going on on Google's side there. And I think this is mostly a reporting issue, not something that should directly affect your rankings. In local news this week, they've updated options for flagging Google My Business reviews and if keeping on top of review spam is something that you do a lot of, then you really should be paying attention to this. It looks like you're able to give a little bit more context on why you're flagging a review. So that's, that's good. It's always good to see Google, uh, doing anything in terms of uh, reducing the amount of spam that's uh, happening in Google, my business. Also people have been noticing that Google posts are no longer expiring after seven days, not massive news, but still interesting to know. And finally for local news, if you're an attorney, you might have noticed that your review stars are missing in the SERPs, Joy Hawkins noticed this week that it seems that they're gone for all attorneys. Um, my guess is that Google probably couldn't stay on top of the spam in this area and just decided not to allow review stars for attorneys. So if you're trying to figure out where they went, uh, it's not just you. <laughs> it seems like it's everybody, uh, all of the attorneys. I don't know if this is just a U.S. thing or not. Um, Joy does work in Canada as well, so my guess is uh, that this is probably just a change that Google's made. So before we get into the conversation that. I had with Rand Fishkin. I want to share with you the Ahrefs tip of the week. And yes, this is the sponsored section of podcast, but it's still good for everybody. Uh, This week, Ahrefs tweeted about a really cool way to use their tool. They recommended looking at how people are linking to pages that compete with you. So more specifically, what anchor text are they using? I did a search for one of our top queries, EAT and SEO, and I saw us ranking number one. Um, It jumps around though. So I took a look at one of the other sites that was ranking in the top three and I put it into Ahrefs and it was really interesting to look at the anchor text of the links that were pointing to that page. So some of the top anchors were not what I expected. Uh, one was Google's EAT score. And another was also YMYL. These are the anchors in the links that are pointing to one of our competitors when it comes to ranking for uh, an article on EAT. Now, Google doesn't have an EAT score, but if we put that in our article, we put something explaining that there is no EAT score um, and explained maybe a little bit better how Google uses E A T then that's something that potentially could get us some links and it could get us some search traffic as people are searching for that thing. Um, Similarly, we have tons of information in our article on YMYL. But we don't have a specific section that somebody could recommend if they were writing an article and they wanted to give their readers a definition of YMYL. So we could add a paragraph in that article, or in this case, there's probably enough information about YMYL that I could write a whole article on that specific subject, and I suspect it would get well-referenced. You really can learn a lot by looking at your competitor's links. And so I'd encourage you to check out Ahrefs. I use this tool multiple times every day, and I definitely recommend it. We've got loads of other really cool stuff in newsletter this week, some tips on how to gain trust with your audience, some cool stuff on web stories, some technical things to help you improve your lighthouse performance metrics, and also layout shifts for those of you who are working on your core web vitals, as you should be because Google has been very public about making it a ranking factor starting in May of this year. Uh, we've also got some link building tips, and there's a really, really good discussion on whether mobile pop-ups can affect your rankings. Uh, again, you can find the newsletter at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. And all right, here we go. I asked Ran Fishkin if he would chat on me, chat on me, chat with me on the article that he wrote regarding inferred links. I spoke in great detail on this last week. Now, last week, uh, we did not do a video episode. You can still find it on YouTube, uh, and it's still on Spotify and all the places where you get your podcast. Uh, but there is no video, but this week, uh, is a video and I'm really excited about this. But if you're interested in what I'm talking about this week, you probably want to go, uh, listen to what I talked about last week as well. The conversation with Rand, it gets pretty deep, especially when we talk about uh, machine learning and our theories on that. The take home point though, is that Google has moved well beyond an algorithm that's easy to game. And more and more of the sites that are winning are truly the sites that people want to find. I hope you enjoy our talk. So hi Rand. Uh, First of all, I just want to thank you for doing this talk with me. I read your article the other day on inferred links. And I was really blown away by how similar your theories are to a lot of my theories. And what I thought was we could just chat about things and um, you know, I don't think I have all the answers as to how Google works. I think you've got a lot of answers but none of us have all the answers, right? Um, and so I thought just us chatting would maybe help a bunch of people and start some discussion. Um, for those of you, uh, let's see here, where should we start? Um, Why don't we start by uh, telling us, uh, I will give you a little bit of an introduction, first of all. I don't know how many people need to know who Rand Fishkin is. If you're in SEO, you know Rand Fishkin. Rand created Moz, um, and Moz was one of uh, the, um, the biggest influences in my career. I learned so much from Moz, and I remember just watching what you were doing and going, one day, I would love to own a company, and then MozCon, like 2017, was when like this vision just dropped into my head for the company that I have now. And so you've been a huge part of my, uh, of my career. Um, and now Rand, your big thing is Spark Toro. So thank you for joining us. And why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing these days?
1: Sure. Sure. So first off, thank you so much for having me, Marie. And I'm, I'm honored and thrilled to hear that Moz and MozCon could be, um, helpful and part of your journey. That's, uh, that, that's why we do, you know, that's why i do anything i do right is hopefully uh, other other great folks can uh benefit so yeah to these days so i left Moz um almost three years ago uh not quite but yeah almost three years ago and and started this company spark toro uh which got funding um sort of a, a private unique investment round we're, we're Little LLC that that can pay profits as dividends, so very un Silicon Valley like uh, structure. Um, and we we took about eighteen months to build our technology, which is uh, around audience intelligence, essentially like um, crawling the web, the social web, and uh, and many website about pages, connecting up profiles, right, and then. Um, Aggregating data about those profiles, so we can tell you, you know, if you're curious about, um, tell me what plumbers in Canada which podcasts they listen to, or tell me what chemical engineers in the U.K. Uh, which press and media sources are influential for them, or I want to know um, what people who use the hashtag men's fashion are following and listening to and watching. Sparktoro can can sort of help with that. So not an SEO tool, but uh, but rather an audience intelligence tool, still in the marketing world, uh, but Very yes. Cool. So I published this. I published this piece about inferred links. I'd I'd seen lots of chatter around, you know, how important are links, and um, I'd seen a lot of folks in the sort of digital PR and and general public relations field um, seeing things uh, kind of a, this this co-occurrence between. Gosh, we do a lot of press and publicity. Lots of people start searching for our brand and like associating our brand with a problem or a topic, and then we suddenly seem to rank in Google, and we didn't do any link building, and we don't even have very many links, and, oh, huh, this is really interesting. And I, I don't think that's coincidence, mm-hmm. right? I, mm-hmm. I My opinion is that uh, Google's machine learning systems, which are you know deep learning systems now, uh, are essentially interpreting data like, oh, lots of people... Search for this brand around this topic. Lots of people, when they see this brand or this website or this particular page, this article in our search results around this topic, they tend to solve their problem at that place. Well, let, let's rank those things higher and let's look for signals on the web of all kinds that might indicate that those are right things to rank. Um, and I don't think this is human beings, right? There's not like, it's not like it was in you know 2008 where you have got a, a bunch of engineers sitting around a table, you know back when who was it Stephen Levy or whoever wrote in the Plex. In the Plex, right? Excellent. You sit around a table and they like judge an algorithm and decide what to raise or lower. Google has to operate in hundreds of languages with trillions of searches. You get a machine to do it, right? It's like oh, what thing is correlating? What which signals are correlating with better results? Okay, pump that signal up for these types of searches.
0: Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I think the part in um, your article that started to get a little bit of controversy, or maybe discussion is a better uh, way to put it, is when you talked about inferred links. Can can you share uh, what you mean by inferred links on the way? Yeah, yeah.
1: So essentially, I'm just, you know, when I say inferred links, what I mean is any type of signal that does not have a direct link, but that appears on the web in a way that Google's crawlers can interpret an association between a brand or a website, an organization, a person, whatever, an entity, right? In SEO world, I know people like to use the word entity, even though it's not broadly understood outside of SEO. Um, And, uh, some topic or some set of keywords or some uh, a word or phrase or um, specific phrasing a hashtag whatever it is right that um, associates those two things so maybe it could be the case that you see um, i don't know you know in in my fingers crossed i hope this is true world over time i hope that uh when you search for audience intelligence SparkToro appears somewhere in the top few results. And that's not because we have a bunch of links with the anchor text audience intelligence or even because we necessarily have gotten links at all. But when Google crawls the web and they see people on Twitter saying, oh, SparkToro is a great audience intelligence tool. No link, no reference, but SparkToro and audience intelligence. And then they see a piece in... I'm trying to think of uh, The Verge, right? The Verge is a technology site, and they've like covered SparkToro, right? So they oh, here's some data from SparkToro, an audience intelligence tool, which said that 51% of Donald Trump's Twitter followers were, you know, inactive or fake. So there's no link. There's no, you know, it's not talking about audience intelligence, but SparkToro, audience intelligence appear there. Google can kind of connect the dots the same way a human being can right? We have this, you know, we read content, we hear podcasts, we are exposed to media, we have conversations, and we start to build associations based on that. Like we, we know that whatever it is, right? That when we think of space shuttles, we think of NASA, right? Because that's just how our brains associate things because of what we've been exposed to. And I think Google is the same way, right? It's getting smarter and smarter. It can start to recognize these things. It doesn't, long-term, I can't imagine it requiring links in order to make those associations. Are links still helpful for crawling the web? Absolutely. Do links still help with rankings? Definitely. I'm not saying any of those. I'm not denying any of those. But I would make the the case that, look, we all see Google getting smarter about this stuff. We all see stuff outranking things with more links and more anchor text links and going, huh, well, maybe there's something else going on. I think this is the something else that's going on.
0: I think I think it's a, a huge component. I mean, I think there's many something is going on. I think the, the like you said, the algorithm has really evolved a lot from, uh, I, I really liked reading about the difference between a, a rules-based algorithm and a machine learning algorithm, right? Do you right. want to talk to that a little bit? Because I think that sort of, we can tie those together with, um, you know, in some way.
1: Yeah, yeah. so in a rules-driven algorithm, it's exactly what Levy talked about in In the Plex, right? You sit at a table with engineers, the engineers go, oh, maybe if we turn down the the value of anchor text and turn up the value of keyword matching, uh, we'll get better results out of this algorithm, right? So then they test and tweak and tune and, okay, well, there's 300 signals in the ranking algorithm. Maybe we should turn down i don't know https and and safe you know uh, uh security sites as a ranking signal cuz we're losing a bunch of good blogs that don't have security certificates i don't you know whatever it sure. is right yeah 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 so they they mess around they tweak and tune and then they're like okay wait let's um gosh when something is trending news like there's lots of search demand for it And we're seeing more uh, articles in Google News. Maybe we should make a separate algorithm for trending news, right? I don't know if you remember this, but like back when, I think it was when Michael Jackson passed away, that Google had this like big panic internally because it took their algorithm like two or three days to start surfacing um, articles about Michael Jackson's death when people Googled Michael Jackson.
0: Okay. Okay,
1: Um, and so there was this like big panic inside Google, like, hey, we are not effectively serving this new thing that people are doing with search, which, you know, new at the time. I can't remember; it was like two thousand seven or two thousand eight, right? And so, like, we need to we need to build an algorithm specifically for trending news. Okay, so they come out with something about that. But you can imagine if you have, you know. 20,000 types of, you know, oh, there's trending news, and then there's like stuff that's trending on social, and then there's stuff that's trending in social in Ankara, Turkey, and we should have an algorithm for that because that's different from how it works when someone, when something's trending in Bruges in Belgium, and it's sort of, it's very different from how things work when they're trending in Cape Town in South Africa. Okay, we should, you can't do it. Exactly. Uh, It's
0: impossible to, to write rules for every possible scenario that could happen, right?
1: Yeah, no way. And so one of the ways that you potentially do this is with machine learning systems, right? You basically essentially tell, you know, tell a machine, like, hey, I want you to build me an algorithm that gives the best uh possible outcomes based on these inputs. Right. So here's here's all the ranking signals Google's ever considered. Uh you machine, I want you to produce a an algorithm based on all these ranking signals that best gives that gives the best uh, search outcome results and ser- best search outcome results could be i uh, we want the people who click on the highest results in the ranking systems to have their query solved and query solved means you know whatever they don't bounce back to the serp and do a different search or they don't bounce back to the serp and like uh, click a different link or whatever it is, right? You can imagine Google can come up with some very clever, like this is a satisfied searcher types of mechanisms, and so the you know the machine learning system goes all right, all right doop, 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 do. we're gonna you know you whatever this is weighted at two percent, that's weighted at three percent, this is weighted at four percent. Fine, here's all these here's all these inputs, and now we're going to uh, produce an algorithm, and it it changes every day. Right, and we can do it for fifty bajillion. You know, it it doesn't matter. You have a trillion different, uh, uh, you know, little sectors that you're calculating the search on. So if 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 a type of query comes in, you can categorize it informational or transactional or no category. Right, a machine doesn't need to categorize. It can just be like X one B type of search. (laughs) Boom, you get this algorithm that looks like it solves your problem the best, and that is almost that is uh almost certainly what's going on and Google's been pretty public about this you know some of their search engineers have talked about like well you know we prior to 2014 we hadn't been using machine learning all that much and then we've become a machine learning first company over the last 6 7 years and you know now we're we're experimenting with deep learning and these neural network based uh systems and this is how we use it in image recognition here's how we use it in self-driving cars here's how we use it in Uh, search. Here's how we use it in, um, what what, what was the, uh, oh, uh, in mobile uh, voice recognition, right? Right. All all these different ways that they've described uh, how they're using it. And so now you don't have engineers sitting around a table determining what the rankings, you know, look like. But also, I mean, Maria, I think this goes to a lot of things that, um, that I'm always kind of skeptical of, right? When I hear a Google representative say that like X factor doesn't matter or X factor or Y factor does matter and is really important. I'm always like, you sure about that, bro? (laughs) (laughs) Not, you know, just because I, my understanding from people inside Google who've described how the machine learning system works is like, we don't necessarily know what the ranking system considers or how much it weights it for any given query and that's fine, we don't have to know. All we know is, hey, here's a bunch of signals. The machine calculates which ones are useful and they apply them to you know, 50,000 different variable types of searches and then they produce good outcomes.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah, and I, I, I think you're right on there. And I think um, what struck me when I read your article was uh, how that ties in with how they use the quality raters. Or at least I think it does. Does that does that fit into your uh, thought? Or do I don't I don't know how to ask that question. Do you For know what sure. I'm trying so to say? Like that? Do you feel like, like where do is using, raters
1: fit into the system?
0: Yeah, into machine learning.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, my uh, my understanding when it's been talked about, I'm trying to remember there was like a presentation by Paul Har right where he talked about how the machine learning system, um, you know, analyzes like the success of certain outcomes, but then they also want human input they don't just because for example they don't just want the thing that gets that drives the most clicks or the most um whatever long clicks versus short clicks or what have you they also want some editorial input especially in areas like uh misinformation and disinformation and and the uh what is it your money or your life types of query, right they have these like very important ones so they want editorial guidelines so that it's not like uh, i don't know um, let's storm the Capitol on January 6th and overturn democracy.com, uh, ranks very highly for, you know, queries around, I, I don't know, certain types of things because it gets lots of clicks. And so they, they probably don't want that system working, the system showing that even if the machine learning system goes, well, I don't know, a lot of people are clicking on that. Um, And so you you get this human level of feedback as well. And quality raters are awesome for that, right? Mm Because they can take a whole bunch of queries and give feedback on, I don't know, when Google is uh, potentially showing problematic or non-ideal stuff. And then the machine learning uh, system can also optimize for those inputs, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, quality raters can give feedback and the machine can go, ah, okay. So we, we have not only whatever, the click data, right, what people click on, whether they long click or short click, whether they pogo stick, whether they change their query, blah, 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 blah. Now we also have some human input about, yes, you know, whatever, 500 quality raters said this was a high quality website with good results. And so WebMD is coming up every time you search for coronavirus or what have you.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, so have you seen this movie, uh, the Google movie called Trillions of Questions? No oh, easy answers. You you'll want to watch it. It's I've been recommending to everybody. It's kind of my new like I I used to recommend I still recommend everybody reads the quality raters guidelines, but uh this movie, it's it's almost an hour long. It was put out by Google and it talks about how uh they're using Machine learning, they talk specifically about natural language processing um, and some of the advances that they've made there. But there's a phrase in there that just struck me and it's been bothering me, not bothering me, it's just been in my mind ever since then. And I'd love to just chat about this. So it's three lines. It says the raters, so the quality raters, are basically teaching our computers what's good and what's bad. Is this a high quality result? Is this a low quality result? And they're trained on what's called the rater guidelines. So I think that kind of sums it up, right? Like The engineers might come up with, you know, let's say they see that um, when they run this new algorithm update, uh, a particular type of site keeps ranking that the quality raters are flagging as like, hey, this is not in line with what's in the guidelines. You know, maybe this contradicts scientific consensus or maybe this, you know, for whatever reason, it's an unsafe result. Um, And then it's not like the Google engineers say, ah, well, we should tweak these weights on the algorithm uh, so that that doesn't happen. I think the, that's what they're saying is that the machines or the, the algorithm itself is figuring out, oh, well, if we tweak these weights, then we get the result that the quality raters uh, rank as good.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the, the machine learning system can basically find signals that match what the quality, you know, the, the, the feedback from both searchers and quality raters. Mm-hmm. And I think you take, you know, those two as sort of your uh, this is what the machine optimizes toward, a combination of searcher data, positive searcher data, and negative searcher data, and positive and negative feedback from quality raters. And then you you marry those two and you try to optimize toward those things. If you and I were designing a search engine, that's exactly what we would do. Right?
0: <laughs> if we if I was that smart, I don't know. I, I see some things in hindsight and go, oh, that was really smart of Google to do that, you know? And and I wonder how many. Um, incredibly intelligent engineers are, you know, working together to come up with this. Because like you said, that whole idea of the long click versus the short click, which is talked about in Stephen Levy's uh, book in the Plex, like that was a revolutionary thing probably back in the day that we figured out, Google figured out, oh, well, when people click on this result and they engage with it and they don't go back to the search results, maybe we should rank that higher. Um, But I think we've like Moved uh, wasn't that a,
1: I thought that was like a, a Microsoft invention during MSN search and then Google was like, oh, well obviously we should use that.
0: Oh, I didn't know that, that's interesting.
1: I uh, think that's right. I'm trying to remember, I, I I remember being at a panel at like, I don't know, an early SES or something and Eitan Seidman who at the time was, was representing MSN search was like, he was like kind of pissed off that the Google person was talking about this. And he was like, <laughs> that was a Microsoft invention.
0: That's <laughs> hilarious that is. Well, and I think the idea, like it was a good idea, but there's just so much beyond, you know, people could click on a result and, and stay on that page and it might not have been the best answer. So um, I I think
1: one of the things, I mean, one of the things Google can definitely do, right? That's, that's really, really nice because they own Google Chrome and because they have so many people logged in all, you know, practically everyone is logged into some Google service while they're using the internet. Um, And so Google can essentially say, ah, take a look at this. You know, This person who performed this search went to this page, didn't come back to us, but within the next 48 hours, they were back on Google trying to solve that same problem. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't look like this actually ended up being the final result that, that helped them so maybe we should take that into consideration, and you can you can extend that out across browser sessions. You can extend it out from a mobile you know result to a desktop result. You could say, oh, it looks like on mobile, that that website did a, you know solve their like instantaneous need, but mm-hmm. then they went to desktop and they did more research and they did not click that. Okay, maybe it's the case that this is a great site for like instant quick answers in mobile, but not so much you know desktop long term.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah. um, You know, that's a very uh, pragmatic way of thinking about it. Certainly one of the things you, you know, you can sort of see this with, uh, I don't know if you use Google discover. Mm -hmm.
0: All the time. And it 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 amazes me how much it knows me.
1: Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Right. So like if you swipe this way, um, okay. So there's, you know, there's an article about Joe Biden and his stimulus package and there's articles about pasta and Costa Rica and video games because what have I been searching for? Oh mm-hmm. yeah, some stuff around pasta and video games in Costa Rica and and whatever you know Biden's economic stimulus plan. Blah blah blah. So Google knows that those are things that have interest for me, and they show me you know articles that they know have for similar people produced clicks right and interest and so they're they're matching those up S- same same thing in search right they can figure out what is useful what's problem solving for mm.
0: us and the latest revision of the quality rater's guidelines they added a bunch of examples to teach the raters how to assess what they call needs met um so that fits as well right because that's google's goal is when i do a search if google can meet my needs and and Present me with the site that actually answers my question. Well, then I, I've I've done a good job with Google. You know, I, I'm I'm happy to use Google and I'll keep using it. Um, and so, uh, one of the things that we've been really speculating on is uh, Google. If they're adding that to the quality raters guidelines, that they want the raiders to better be able to assess whether a searcher's needs have been met, then that's probably something that they're trying to uh, obviously they're trying to accomplish that algorithmically, right? Oh, and so. Yeah to tie together the, we talked about machine learning and we talked about inferred links. The quality raters guidelines, again, they talk a lot about this thing they call recommendations from experts. And that's a part of EAT. Um, you know, Gary ish and John Mueller both have said that EAT is uh, largely made up by offsite links and also mentions, right, on mentions on authoritative sites. So this is where I was thinking there could be a connection mm-hmm. that, um, if, uh, say, Search Engine Land writes an article about the December core Google update, and then they say, according to Marie Haynes, blah, 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 right, and they don't link to me, that's, that's a better recommendation for me and my expertise uh, on Google algorithm updates than if I had written a guest post or, um, you know, paid a journalist at Forbes to, to link out to me or, or, you know, something something like that, Right.
1: Um, it's it's definitely it's way more authentic, right? It's a, it's a high quality recommendation. It is certainly the kind of thing that a human being would interpret as being more uh, authoritative and influential, and so it's hard to imagine that Google is not trying to get to that place. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you know, maybe you're listening to this conversation w- with us and you're thinking to yourself, "No, it's all links, 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 links." Okay, you can believe that, but. Long term, I don't think you can believe that Google doesn't want to get to a place where they see Marie Haynes mentioned on Search Engine Land about an algorithm update and start to associate you, your name, your brand, your company with Google algorithm updates. Mm-hmm. Right? That I mean, I saw that at Moz with Dr. Pete. Dr. Pete, for a long time, you know, he was covering, right? He was been writing about MozCast and and updates and what would change and all this kind of stuff, you know, before SEMrush and Ahrefs had their sort of, you know, Google weather systems or whatever. Pete was doing this for years. And so when you did searches around the Google algorithm update, you would get, you know, Dr. Pete even, and you would get uh, the MozCast, even though the keywords weren't in there. Mm -hmm. Why did you get it? Because- that's how the associations were built. Right.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, and when I yeah. tweeted
0: my theories uh, about how they aligned with your article, Bill Swalski um, jumped in with some, he gave me an article to read about entity uh, entities and all sorts of things. I, I'm trying to learn a lot more about uh, how Google uses entities and entity classes. And I got lost this morning in him, uh, re- this article discussing associations between entities, that, mm, that sure. Google has patents. So we don't know exactly how the algorithms work, but that, um, that, that, we can recognize, like you're an entity, I'm an entity, uh, SEO is an entity, and um, and then the associations between those can be what matters. So again, as me as an entity, as I get mentioned in authoritative places that Google recognize as an entity in in SEO or whatever, that those connections. Um, So it may not necessarily be that Google figures out, oh, well, Search Engine Land was just uh, recommending Marie Haynes as an expert. It might just be that they've connected that, oh, well, my name often appears on Search Engine Land or, uh, you know, um, and that the entities are connected. So I don't don't know exactly. And, you know, this has always been my thing is I I don't want to I'm not... um, able to completely
1: reverse engineer
0: what Google's doing, but I think it's helpful for us to recognize that uh, what Google's goals are so that we can align. Yeah, well.
1: absolutely. I mean, it, you know, you sort of have, you have your two ways of kind of doing SEO, right? There's there's short-term SEO, like I know this will work today. I've seen it work for other people. Um, and so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna keep doing that until the thing that I'm doing stops working and then I'll find a new tactic. Or alternatively, and I, I think this has generally been much more successful the last decade in, in SEO. Obviously, I haven't been in the field for a couple of years, so you know maybe there's people who would disagree. But you know, for my last decade in SEO, it was, generally speaking, much more successful to stop pursuing the one tactic that works right now and start thinking about what does Google want to build long-term and how do I become that thing? right? Mm-hmm. How do I become the authoritative, most mentioned, most talked about, um, most uh, uh, referenced leader, brand, organization, website in this particular field so that when anyone searches around those topics, you know, uh, I, I'm the one that's mentioned. <laughs> I, um, I was m- reminded, Marie, of a, I had a very a very embarrassing interaction um, years ago as a sort of a It'll seem semi off topic but, but it relates back to this. So this was probably 2009 I think. Um, I was going down to the Bay Area all the time trying to raise money from venture capitalists for for Moz um and and get us our next funding round and was very unsuccessful. But I got to meet a lot of entrepreneurs who, you know, took me out to fancy dinners and um it was very weird, very weird world. But uh during one of those I I Made friends with a a, a group of uh, entrepreneurs, including this guy Alex Iskold. Um, oh no, what was his name? Wait, it wasn't Iskold. He, he was the CEO of uh, Freebase. Freebase okay. was this like metadata company, semantic data company. And I remember, you know, he he um, took me out for lunch, and we he was asking me like, "Hey, Rand, I I know you're, you know, you know a lot about SEO." I wanna take all this data, this data that we've got in Freebase and rank number one for all these queries in Google. Like right now they rank Wikipedia for everything, but I think we could be better. And I was like, oh man, I don't I don't know how you're gonna do that because it just, I, I think most of your content is kind of scraped and duplicated and it's just like facts and connections between entities. I don't think that's what Google wants at all. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, man. I think you're. I think you're up a, a creek. And then, of course, you know, Google bought them for like a hundred million dollars the next year. It's and like I look like an idiot. <laughs> and I was an idiot, right? I was a complete idiot. Uh-oh. But you know, you can read the New York Times article about you know Google acquiring Freebase and um, and MetaWeb, uh, the the company that operated them, and and then essentially building this huge semantic database of connections between ideas, concepts, brands people, et cetera, et cetera. Duh. You know, I should have, I should have been thinking this way, but I was still in my like links and keywords. It's all about <laughs> links and
0: keywords. It's interesting though, because that article that Bill was talking about, and for those of those people who are listening to this podcast, I'll link it, uh, um, somewhere in the podcast so that you can, um, uh, that you can find it. Um, but he was talking about how uh, knowledge bases, uh, you know, they were, and they probably and they still are very important for Google to gather entity information. So, you know, that would be one of those knowledge bases, right? That, uh, yeah. a- and that's even a part of improving EAT is just getting listed in places where you would expect a business of your stature or, you know, that type of business to, to be listed. Um, yeah. And then uh, Bill was I talking- I mean,
1: Microsoft had bought PowerSet in like 08 or 09. And I remember Google was like, there was a little bit of internal panic about like, Hey, what if they get better at instant answer solving than we do? Cause Bing's Bing's whole branding when they came out was the answer engine, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not a search engine, but an answer engine. Like you'll just get your instant answer. And I think Google was like, Whoop. let's let's race to get there first.
0: Well, and Bing's been making really good advances too. I, I haven't been paying as much attention to Bing, but um uh, but they've been really making good advances in understanding language or using those frameworks anyways. It's it's really fascinating to to see. And I, I think that this is what is the problem for a lot of SEOs is that for years we've had things that worked. You know, like we, why did we build links? You said in your article that links are proxies for recommended or for votes, I think you said, right? Yep. And that's why we build links. That's why, you know, if I can get you to link to me, then that's that's you voting for me saying, yes, I think uh, this article should be read by other people um, right. as well. And uh, now, you know, if Google's better at understanding language, I think we're going to get to the point you're right I don't think we're there yet I still think that uh, you know if if I got a followed link from an authoritative place I would be very happy about that. Um, But I think that the day is coming where we won't necessarily need links uh, for determining whether content is actually worthy of ranking, I think we can still use it for um, discovery. Right, but uh, determining relevance and uh, whether this is the best piece of content to show a searcher, I I think they're going to eventually stop using links for that, which is scary for SEOs who, uh, you know, a lot of SEOs that's their only or their main tool in their toolbox, right? Yeah, yeah, Um, and that's frightening. Well, and so
1: I, I think this it suggests to me a world of the future sometime over the next five to ten years where link focused SEOs will. It either need to change their practices or they'll they'll largely become dinosaurs. And I look, I think link focused SEOs are very creative, very thoughtful and and generally pretty cutting edge people. So I don't see this happening where they, you know, they just become relics. I think what'll happen is that they move into realms like digital PR. How do I get my client to you know, be mentioned on this podcast, to be talked about in the news, to be referenced by these websites, to be um, talked about on social media in all its forms, to be uh, uh, featured in a YouTube video on a popular channel, to whatever it is, right? Like all those different aspects that indicate uh, relevancy, connection with keywords and searches and entities and topics uh, that indicate trustworthiness that indicate quality. Those will be the jobs of people who previously focused on how do I get a link from A to B? Yes.
0: Yes. And it's funny because last week in my podcast, when I mentioned that I was going to talk to you and ask if you would uh, come and chat with me this week, uh, I had three people within the next 24 hours message me and say, oh, by the way, I could be on your podcast too. And, and that's, that's what, SEOs do, right? We say, oh, if I could, yeah, yeah, that's an opportunity for me. But the thing is those opportunities are really hard to get because all of those people, my apologies to any of the people who like actually uh, did, you know, maybe some of them were interesting, but they're not relevant to me at this time. And so the only way, you know, for me to get a guest on the podcast or a link from my website or whatever is for me to truly be like, look, this is a person who I'm really interested in talking to. This is a person I want to, I want my audience to hear this person. Um, and I think that SEOs are not used to that. You know, like a lot of them have places where they they can get a link, but yeah. they're not necessarily getting a recommendation.
1: Absolutely. Well, and I think this is, it's somewhat exciting to me to think that as Google goes in this direction, um, it is much easier, in my opinion, to ask for not a link than to ask for a link, right? Mm -hmm. When you form connections with people and have discussions and want to whatever, hey, let's uh, post a chat interview or let's do a live stream together or, you know, let's go on LinkedIn live together, whatever, whatever you might do those are requests that are, in my opinion, much more successful as a percentage than, uh, dear website owner, will you <laughs> link to my site such and such, right? I mean, we all just hit report spam on those all day long. And, uh, so I, I think this is actually a great thing for anyone, right? We're all going to turn into what, uh, basically public relations and media comms folks will, have been for the last 50, 100 years, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're basically going to be looking for sources to cover and talk about and mention us so that, you know, two things happen. Uh, this is the other great thing, right? The, the two things that can happen are one, an audience that you want to reach becomes aware of you. Yes. Right? So- you know sparktoro is not an seo tool but maybe it's useful for some people who are doing some types of seo or or, or who are doing seo and other kinds of web marketing like digital pr and, and and comms and advertising and stuff and so maybe some of the listeners on this program will go to sparktoro and you know create a free account and check it out right so that has some benefit it doesn't need to have a link but that has some benefit because you you reach the audience that you want to reach and then the second benefit is as you get um, discussed in these ways, in these communities, Google builds up associations, Google and Bing build up these yes. associations around what you are and who you are in the same way human brains do,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: That's what Google's really trying to replicate. They want to know what is authoritative and trustworthy and trusted and, and well thought of and well referenced inside this community. Okay. When, whatever, Web marketers search for audience research. Maybe we should bring SparkToro up. Doesn't matter if they use the keywords. Doesn't matter if they have the links. It's other kinds of signals we're paying attention to now.
0: And that's really hard for SEOs because uh, it's very hard to measure those signals, <laughs> right? You know, like it's very hard to, to measure the value of a mention on a website where, uh, you know, It's tough where, I mean, I I remember when I first started in SEO, it would be super common every day to get emails that say like for this many hundred dollars, I can get you 200 links, you know, like that's obviously not the way to work now. And I think that when Google says that they ignore like a huge number of the links on the web, I think that they can tell whether a link is a recommendation or they can tell whether a link comes from a site that if it's YMYL actually has EAT you know uh, or is this just some site that's just made up nobody's ever talked about them and, and you're trying to get a link from them so you know i i think you kind of summed it all up when you said uh, uh, that google essentially wants to think like humans you know they they want uh, that makes sense to me that does that does yeah
1: yeah i think um i think there's a there's a, a lot of exciting things a lot of scary things that come with this um but it is a progression that i I can't see stopping, right? I can't imagine that that there's any reason. It's hard for me to make the the opposite argument, right? If I try and steel man this thing and say, well, what are the arguments against uh, potentially using other types of signals in the mix and having those get stronger than links over time, I, I can't come up with really good reasons why that would be true. And so it it feels largely indefensible to me hmm. to say, for the next 10 years, I'm exclusively going to focus on link building as opposed to authoritative mention and reference building.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I I really think that comes down to it's worked in the past. And uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, we see it all the time. I see sure. sites that come to us with manual actions uh, because they've built thousands of unnatural links and when they get it lifted they often their question is how can we build other types of links that you know like they don't get it um and so uh i think for anybody who's listening and is trying to um improve your website or your clients websites it comes down to being authentic and truly being the best website for google to uh to recommend to people which is not easy not easy at all. and so
1: i i will i would add to that marie only that I think one of the biggest frustrations I have and many people have this frustration about marketing in general is that you can be the best but unless lots of people out there are saying you're the best you will not rank right yes. you will not get the get the coverage and so a lot of our job essentially becomes PR it's it's media amplification it's reach and distribution to the right communities at the right time with the right people so that you know the internet seems to think your brand, your website is the place to go, that is, that's, it's sort of like, it's a two-sided equation, right? Um, equation one, be the best place to go. Equation two, amplify that message to the world.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that sums it up. I think mean, that's that's probably a good place to end this discussion. I think, unless there's anything else that you uh, wanted to get in there, Rand, because I, I could go for hours and hours talking on this. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: you, I I mean, I am someone who, um, you know, generally I think you and I are on uh, different wavelengths around like how much trust and authority we put into the statements of Google's uh, public representatives, which which is fine, right? I think that. Um, you know, you you have a high degree of uh, uh, sort of trust and authority and weight that you give those statements. And I have, a, you know, whatever, a very natural inclination, sorry, a, a, a for, for me at least, an inclination to mistrust almost everything co- that comes out. But I did see that one of Google's representatives, was that yesterday or the day before, said something that a lot of folks in, in search world and marketing world and, and public relations world, which I'm now more close to. Uh, said that, you know, digital PR is often more important than, I can't remember, was it technical SEO or SEO in general?
0: Let's see. Um, I, it was a John Mueller's quote yesterday. I think it was. He said, I have it right here. He said, I love some of the things I see from digital PR. It's a shame it often gets bucketed with the spammy kind of link building. It's just as critical as tech SEO, probably more so in many cases. So, So, yeah. I, that's
1: I think, you know, that that is a statement that um, I agree with, even though I am generally mistrustful of its source. But I think, you know, you're probably more trustful of that source, and it sounds like generally agree with that as well, right? That essentially that amplification of the message of this is the place to go, that's a huge important task that probably a lot of SEOs are not paying as much attention to as they could. Mm-hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And again, I think like it's, it's something where uh, it's going to be very hard to, um, you know, there's no template uh, to suddenly amplify your message. It's, it's going to be different for every business and it's not as simple as, you know, just read this link building guide and you'll be good. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think there's gonna be a lot changing in SEO and that's, I mean, a lot has changed over the years. It's really exciting though to see, uh, you know, I don't I don't think we're gonna exactly figure out what Google's doing, um, but if our goals align with, uh, you know, trying to, to be the best and trying to get recognized as one of the best, then I think that's a pretty good goal to have.
1: Yeah, I, I almost wonder, I almost wonder whether we need to know, like, I don't yes. think Googlers know what how Google works. This Agreed. is how deep learning algorithms work, right? You, you don't get to know how they work. Uh, I don't know that we need to know either. I think the only thing that we need to know is this is what they're trying to accomplish. And so this is what we should also be trying to accomplish. And the machinations of the algorithmic weighting inside the deep learning system Well, I don't care.
0: (laughs) Who knows, right? Yes, that's a good, good way to put it. But I think as SEOs, we're used to though, uh, like we know that if I put keywords in my title tag, there's a good chance that I might rank better for that. You know, maybe not so much today. Ranking factors
1: thing, right? Like I'm as guilty of (laughs) anyone as anyone of creating that that sort of meme and that idea in the consciousness of of the SEO world that there are ranking factors and they're weighted somehow, and so you have to know them and their weights, and then you can optimize. Mm -hmm. And now we're in a world, a post know the algorithm world. Um, a very, very difficult thing to wrap your head around if you've been in, in classic world.
0: For sure. Well, I might have more questions for you, maybe down the road. So, uh, so we'll stay in touch. Um, do you uh, want to give another shout out? How uh, our listeners and and readers can uh, connect with SparkToro or try oh, SparkToro? Oh, sure, or... yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so, if yeah, if you want to give SparkToro a try, it is it is absolutely uh, free. We have a forever free plan. Um, you can just go to sparktoro.com and start searching. Uh, if you if you need any help, I'm Rand at sparktoro.com. And uh, I, I, I wish everyone uh, all the best with it. We're we're pretty new still. We're only nine months old, so there's uh, we're we're definitely still growing in terms of features and data size and all that. But um, it's been an exciting journey so far, and ho- helpful to a surprising number of SEO people too.
0: That's great and I think like given that we're talking about being recognized by authorities and and whatnot, I think this could be a very, very valuable uh, tool for a lot of people. so I'd encourage everybody
1: to check it out.
0: Well thanks so much, Rand. that was great and uh, I hope to My talk to you right. again at some point soon.
1: Yeah I look forward to it. Thank you for having me. take care all right take care bye
0: bye. I want to once again thank Rand for coming to talk to me on this very interesting topic. It's a lot of fun to try and figure out how Google's working, but ultimately my advice to you would to be Would be to be authentic and truly aim to be the best result for Google, rather than trying to trick search engines. At MHC, our goal is not to reverse engineer Google, but rather we take note of everything that we can that Google has told us that they like, and also what we've seen Google reward. If you're new to listening to the podcast, we publish a new episode every single week. You can find search news. You can use podcast on Spotify, on Apple, on Google Play, and wherever you get podcasts. If you're watching this on YouTube, I would love for you to drop a like and subscribe also. We're going to be working on some more YouTube content uh, over the next few weeks. And the more signals we can show to Google that people actually like our content, uh, the better it will be. So as always, if you're looking to hire my team to investigate a traffic drop or simply help you make improvements to your website, you can reach us at help at MarieHaines.com. Thanks again for listening, and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings.